Time for a test tube Thursday, and Dan Riskin is here. Nice to see you. Great to see you. Okay, it seems every week we've got something about AI, and this time it's AI predicting when we're going to die. Super, that's what I need. You know what? Normal. I would love to tell you that the headline is misleading and that actually it's not as scary as it is, but this one, I don't like this one. This one <laughs> freaks me out. So uh, there's a data set of all the people in the Netherlands, all of them, and the, where they live, what their job is, um, and what they did is they fed this into a into an artificial intelligence engine. And and so we're all used to, well, a lot of us are used to playing with ChatGPT. And the whole idea with ChatGPT is if I give you a bunch of words, it can tell you what word should come next in the sentence. What they're doing is they're saying, here are a bunch of events in a person's life. Tell me what happens next in their life. So, oh, they moved to the country. Oh, they got pregnant. Oh, they had a kid. Oh, they broke their wrist. Oh, they became a manager. Oh, they got, they got to prescribe this drug. So they've got the demographic stuff about what their jobs are, but they also have the medical stuff in this data set. And they, you feed that in. And then the, the, the large language model, just like you can make a guess with uh, a large language model of what the next word is in the sentence, it can now take somebody's life trajectory and say, yeah, okay, well, I'll tell you, after that, they're going to get a dog. And then I can tell you that their personality is going to change this way. And oh, they're a manager? Well, that decreases is the likelihood they're going to die. But, oh, they have a mental health problem that increases the chance they're going to die. So what they're coming up with is this predictive, it's more predictive than any statistical tool they've had before. By It out, outperforms them by at least 10%, which it's hard to say exactly how, how, how exactly specific it is. But nonetheless, what this is, is a tool that could be used by, say, an insurance company to make a very informed guess based on if they had those kinds of data for you about what whether they should... How expensive they should make your life insurance no no you're fine for the next five years sure you, you can have great rates if you want if you want to get insurance after that though you're gonna to have to pay out the ear because we can see all these things that lead up to our model saying that you're probably gonna die in the next four years super so this isn't actuarial science so much as I mean well it's, it's hopped up on steroids yeah it is actuarial science with a brand new algorithm to okay. do it it's, and how accurate is it I well like, that's is it gonna say next August that's the thing as I looked in it and it I, I was trying to find like give me an example of a person where it's able to say, you know, with 90% certainty they're going to get pregnant in the next year and whether they do or not. And the data just aren't presented that way. But the, the data set is everybody. It's everybody in the Netherlands. And so one of the things they say is, well, you can't take what we learned in the Netherlands and assume that it applies in Canada. But nonetheless, um, where these big data sets become available, these kinds of tools can do interesting things. We need rules. Is it fair for insurance providers to have these data? Or should I have these data, right? It, should I have a good informed guess that probably based on what's happening with my career trajectory that I'm at risk of heart disease in the next five years. These are important questions, and these tools freak me right out, uh, but they're powerful. Tell me about it. And this really is a shaggy dog story, isn't it? An ex extinct woolly dog. This is one of the best Canadian stories nobody's <laughs> ever heard. It is unfathomably cool. In the Salish Sea of British Columbia, like around Vancouver Island, before European settlers came, there were dogs that lived with the people. And those dogs were brought with the First Nations people as they came across the Bering Strait 40,000 years ago. But they had their hunting dogs, and then they had a breed of dog that they kept apart from all the other dogs, and it was woolly. And it was about the size of a Pomeranian, and they used that wool to make sweaters and to make blankets and to make clothing. And this dog must have been the most genetically distinct lineage of dog 
on Earth around 1850. Now, they went extinct in the late 1800s, uh, but there are some pelts that remain. And so a new study's just come out where they've done some genomics research on it and figured out that these things really were genetically isolated from the other mainland dogs. So we have like huskies and malamute and all these other kinds of dogs that come from the ancestral North American stock, but this was a separate thing. And I just am obsessed with how interesting this is. These dogs lived, usually they were kept on islands away from the people so that they wouldn't breed with the other dogs. And then uh, typically women would go across in the boats and bring them fresh fish to feed these dogs every day. And then a couple times a year, they would shear them to get the, the wool. And this whole piece of history, it's gone. But I just can't help but think that this is just one of the most interesting. It's a dog story. It's a Canada story and the North Pacific Northwest, I guess. But I, I just obsess with it. And I love that there's a new genetics study on the on the whole picture. Is there the possibility of Jurassic Park-like revival of this dog? Thank you for asking that. I <laughs> am obsessed with the idea that that is like low-hanging fruit. It, the, the technology to bring one of these back exists. They've done it with black-footed ferrets where they took a dead yes. ferret and they basically made an embryo out of it, put it into a, a living ferret, and then birthed it. This is a dog. So you would be able to take those DNA, make a... a, a, a They've, they've cloned plenty of dogs. Barbara Streisand has two of her dogs cloned. So you could use exactly that technology to bring back one of these woolly dogs. But this brings up a really interesting question. Whose dog is it to bring back? This is a part of First Nations culture in that part of the world. And so for, you know, a bunch of European descent scientists in Toronto to say, I have an idea, let's bring back one of these dogs. It, I, I don't think that that would go over without some people raising concern. So it's a conversation that I think needs to happen. Um, but it's a, it's a very cool idea. And I'm glad you brought it up. And do I understand this next story properly, that apparently there's an unopened package from space? <laughs> That's exactly it. It's like It landed on somebody's porch we and didn't they didn't realize. It. Yeah. They didn't sign for it. They never got the text from Amazon. Um, this is the OSIRIS-REx sample. So it came back. It's sealed. They can't open it. There are a whole bunch of screws that hold the lid on, and two of them are stuck. And the thing is that, like, it's not like you take it out to the shed and you just sort of whack it with a, you know, the back of a wrench and then give it a good crank or whatever, or you drill in from the side and just pull it out. This is a pristine sample that they don't want to contaminate with anything. And so right now it's sitting in a chamber and it, there's a flow of nitrogen gas, not even air, just nitrogen gas, so that it doesn't get contaminated by oxygen or anything. And there are certain tools in that container, and you can put your little glove on and control the tools in the container to try to open it. And people are doing that, but they, they, these two are stuck. And so they don't have a tool in the box that'll open it. And so around November, they stopped trying because they just want to get this right. There's no rush, right? We, we launched in 2016 to get the sample and we finally have it back. So uh, NASA's designing new tools that they then will put into the container, which can hopefully open these two screws that are stuck. Fascinating stuff. Thanks a lot and uh, have a great Christmas. Thank you. You too.